am Dr. Liz, a pediatrician and parent coach. Welcome to my podcast, 10 Going on 20, Parenting Preteens to Young Adults. Join me in my amazing array of guests, including experts, parents, and youth, for conversations that will support you in having happier, healthier, and more connected relationships with your kids as they get older. Let's talk. So I have Susan McDonald here. She is a master sewist and parent, mother of two, and she has two wonderful daughters. I invited her on because I wanted her to share her perspective about raising daughters in today's world. So welcome, Susan, and thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me, and uh, I'm happy to answer whatever you want to ask me. Great. So the first thing I want you to do is just introduce yourself, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, I guess on the on the one hand, I'm a, a suburban New Jersey, mostly stay-at-home mom, other than the small business thing that's on the side. Two daughters, suburban house, two dogs, husband that's doing his international sales stuff. That's kind of the the basic stuff. But then there's stuff about me that's different in parenting. I'm an older mom. So I started parenting at 40, which nowadays is not so unusual, but 20 years ago was getting on, was a little bit more unusual. Also, my kids did not come out of my tummy. I'm an adoptive parent. So both of my girls were born not in the United States. They were born in Latin America, two different countries. So that brings a unique aspect into my parenting the age thing. And just the fact that when we go out in in the world, we don't look the same. And to me, I don't see any difference anymore, but I realize that the world does see a difference in what my kids look like versus me. And then now because of my uncolored hair, that's mostly gray, gray blonde, people also think I'm grandma. And that really bothers me, that part I don't (laughs) like. But yeah, so mostly, you know, uh, on paper, it's just, you know, a mom. And then uh, on the other side, there's other unique aspects to it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. What was it or what is it like for you going through the world with these adopted children and looking different? What was that like for you? Well, it was kind of bad, actually, in um, the late 90s and early millennium when the older one was very little. Uh, direct questions in grocery stores, pointed questions, one time being followed into a church bathroom by someone asked uh, embarrassing, invasive questions about my child in front of in front of her with her right near me. Do you mind sharing any of those questions? Oh, no, not at all. Well, the, the, the other aspect that, that makes it a, a, a difficult situation that happened was both of my children were uh, brought home at toddler age. Mm-hmm. So they were not, they were called infants in Latin America. In Latin America, the term infant is used all the way to uh, a toddler. When we're calling a to- child a toddler already, they are still using the term infant. Okay. So for a child to come home for adoption when there are two or even three is no big deal in Latin America. But to us, also maybe we have more, we do have a lot of advantages with psychology and psychiatrists. And we, the information that we have about early learning in children is massive. So I knew what my kids could understand as far as my own reaction and my words when some of these things would happen. Even if they didn't understand the words the person was asking, maybe the look on my face, you know, created some tension for my kid. 
So well, anyway, your body yes, language. Absolutely. So people asking invasive questions weren't asking them in front of a uh, an eight week old. They were asking them in front of a 24 month old mm. who was starting to get stuff about life. Anyway, the, the difficult situation happened in uh, our church at the time and a, an older woman, she appeared to be, I don't know, possibly in her late seventies, followed my daughter and I into the women's room and said, oh, where did you get her? Mm. And it took me aback for a few seconds. I'd never seen this person before in my life. And I said, as, you know, as relaxed as I could, I said, well, she was, she was born in, in Latin America. Well, why did you get her? And I, and then I scoop my daughter up something like, you know, got to go back to Pew now. And, yes. and, and I exited, but it was uncomfortable for a little while to have somebody, you know, corner us in a, in a relatively small women's room with a couple stalls was, was odd and uncomfortable. And she went in there purposely to ask you that question. She like followed you in there. It wasn't like she just well, happened to be there. Yeah, she she wasn't in the bathroom first. Right. She came in after us. Did that happen a lot? Let's see. Uh, the grocery store was one. There was one person who said, oh, why did you go international? Why didn't you adopt in, in this country? It, just invasive questions. Oh, couldn't you have your own kids? Mm. Oh, or, oh, maybe you'll get lucky now that you've adopted. You'll get lucky and get your own. You know, and saying that in front of a child, that right. was that was tough. Very insensitive and inappropriate, basically. Yes. Uh, and a lot of these people were strangers, it sounds like. Yes, or, or acquaintances a couple steps removed from, from life. You know, other parents that you know in school from, you know, you were friends with mom A and this was mom Z who, you know, was five friend loops away kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Knew you look at you, but had never really connected previously. Right. And then they think this is the time that they're able to connect with you to ask you these personal questions. Some of the, I guess the overall thing that, uh, that I want to say, I guess if anybody who's thinking about adopting, adoption is not, um, it's not the answer for everybody. It's probably not an answer for many. Mm. Um, it's not as beautiful as adoption agencies or placement places want to make it out to be. It is much, much harder. And I now honor the the connection of the bio mother with the child. I, I see that, how strong that is and how almost unbreakable that is and how important that is for women. I see it with such importance that I think every female of reproductive age has to really, really want a kid that she's having, that she's planning to have. And you really have to honor that because that bond that you have with that kid that's growing inside you, I see, I see from my end what the loss is. And I, I wish people didn't go into having children accidentally at all. I wish they honored every, every, every try, every, every pregnancy that they were going to do, make it 100% before you even start the get-go because your connection is so strong and it doesn't end. And there are, I think there are very, very few adopted children who don't wonder about and want that knowledge or even connection with, or even an initial conversation with their original family. They they want something, most of them. So anyway, I, I just, go ahead. No, I wanted to ask more on that topic. How, how did you come to understand the 
intensity of that bond and the unbreakable nature of that bond? Mostly for my kids, of them wanting to meet their birth parents. And I want to travel with each child to their countries. I've told each girl if they, if they want to go, I will fund what I can and I will go with them. And I don't know what we'll find or who we'll find or if we'll find anything, but I want them to know that that option does exist as far as, as me. I am not someone who's saying, no, don't do it. Mm. I, you know, I want them to. They wanted to go when they were younger, but a lot of kids do want to go when they're younger. But when they're very young, psychologically, they probably can't handle it. They need to be mm, over, the, over 18 before they, they go mm. and do a search, mm-hmm. really. They need to know, though, from their adoptive parents that their adoptive parents support them in doing it. Mm. In your experience as an adoptive mom, besides those challenges and people being nosy and, and coming in and asking you questions, how has it been raising your daughters? Really just the same as every other parent, basically. Mm-hmm. I think every, I, I know now that everybody's got, you know, their, their own stuff with their, their kids, um, boys, girls, whatever. And I, I've, I've learned that the kid you get is they are their own human. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we raise them and we can have the amount of educational and, and communication and positive and negative effect that we, that we have, but they are their own human and they are who they are. And we're going to lead and lead and lead and hopefully do the right leading and then they'll be who they are. So yeah, parenting, just talking to other moms in, in life as as the years have gone, I've realized that a lot of my challenges are the same as everybody else has same stuff. Do you find any difference being an older mom? Probably with the advent of social media uh, and technology, I'm not as quick to jump on that. So that, that's, that's really the main difference. Other than that, no, I, I don't think so. But, uh, but I'm also lucky I, I've kept myself really healthy, you know, so I can, I can do stuff, you know, I can mm-hmm. be out there hiking and, and when we go on trips, I'm not held back by doing anything. And, you know, so I'm not, I'm definitely not sitting. Some people at, at my age group are slowing down a bit and, and luckily I'm, I'm really happy that I'm not. That's great that you're still active and you can be very involved in their lives. So how old are your daughters now? Oldest one is 22, and the baby who's not a baby is 16 and a half, unbelievably. Okay, so you have one in the throes of the teenage years, and then uh, a young adult. Yes. So you, you have two different stages. What are the particular challenges raising uh, your daughters in, I say, today's world? Because as you mentioned earlier, with social media, technology, times are a lot different than when we grew up. So how has it been different for you or what are the challenges that you've faced and overcome or still struggling with? The main thing that uh, the biggest challenge, I guess, is I was raised and I do see the value in kind of the old fashioned communication, thinking before you speak, not jumping in so quickly, taking time to respond to someone and Without social media, without the instant instant access of a phone all the time, that was kind of easy to do in the '70s and the '80s. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, there was there were old-fashioned uh, phone answering machines, and people didn't expect that you would pick the message up until you got home from work at eight o'clock at night. <laughs> Things just took longer, and that was th- there wasn't Amazon, 
and there wasn't instantaneous information, but there was also an advantage there because you could hold back and think about something. Or when you answered the phone, it was in the kitchen and your family was around you and, and you couldn't necessarily talk about your whole personal stuff when you were standing in the kitchen. And so you tended not to. So you also learned what was private to be kept private for yourself and not tell your friends everything all the time. I guess I've noticed at times my children, you know, jumping forward and I've actually had, there's a quote from them. Well, mom, I have to tell them something right away. I have to get back to them right away. And my answer is, this, this, this electronic is a tool, it's a machine. It's doing the work for you, it's holding the message. Don't be so quick to jump and answer. Mm. Take time to think first. Mm. And there have been times when they've jumped in and spoken or texted too quickly and it's come back to bite them. Um, both of them have learned from that and they slowed down, but I think that lesson might've been not so hard to learn had the technology not been there hanging over their head, binging and lighting up and <laughs> buzzing. And yes. And they can't take it back once they hit send as, right. as, as right. Um, I'm sure you've mentioned to them multiple times. Yeah. So it is a different world. Now, what, what's one thing that you wish you understood about them that that one thing that you you just can't get like why they do what they do or how they are how they are is there anything that's just exasperating that you just can't understand uh yeah and i'm not alone in this and i don't have an answer for it they're not early morning get up and goers they do get up and go and get stuff done uh -huh. they, I mean, they, they wouldn't have these grades and her internships and all of her cool volunteering, the people that depend on her and for in her for each stuff that wouldn't be happening, but their, their, their time clock is very different than mine. And I was raised in an ag family where we had to get up at five in the morning, pretty much every day and go work and pick vegetables and produce food. So I was forced because if I didn't do that, the whole family wasn't going to eat. Mm. Um, so I just learned to be an early riser and I got that energy thing going on and my kids do. It's just a completely different time clock and, and some, they just, they don't do things on my schedule. I've learned flexibility with that a little bit better in the last couple of years, but um, it's taken time. You know, it's mm -hmm. just, it's not my persona. It's not my, yeah. my origin. And I think that's a good thing to, to pass on to parents because a lot of parents think that their children are miniature versions of themselves. And I think when they're first born and, and infants or when you first bring them, bring them home, you try to groom them in the way that you were raised. And of course, you're going to instill the values and, and, and your philosophy. But you soon find out that your kids are wired totally different. And they're, they're their own yeah. being. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you either uh, adapt to that and uh, you work with how they're wired or you drive yourself nuts. Exactly. <laughs> so it, it sounds like you're, you're learning to work with with how they're wired. I'm trying. <laughs> Some days are better than others, but I, I actually do feel a difference from probably five years ago. Definitely a di feel a difference in myself. You're less kind of on edge. Yeah, let, just letting stuff go that doesn't make a big deal. Mm. So what's one thing that your daughters don't know about you? 
how they know partially, but how really yucky my college experience was. <laughs> and do you want to say more about that? Oh yeah, I mean okay. it wasn't it wasn't like there was like a, you know any like crimes or anything it wasn't, but it wasn't. It I mean my husband praises me that I got done with college in three years, but I got done with college in three years because I couldn't stand it. Now, where'd you go? Well, I went to Delaware and mm-hmm. nothing against Delaware. It just wasn't a fit for me. Mm-hmm. And if, when, when I start, when I went to college, I wanted to go to two different schools that my parents absolutely would not let me go to. They chose for me and they chose Delaware. And they um, chose because of finances or proximity no. or what, why did they? They didn't give me an answer. and back then we didn't question right and and I had um if I was you know really a a, a tough brave girl and had any more money in the bank I would have said you know fine I'll emancipate myself see you later and Mm -hmm. you know I'm gonna go where I want Mm -hmm. but I didn't have that bravery and I was I was scared and I didn't have enough money so I was an out-of-state little freshman girl who didn't know anyone and I was put in married student housing with three other young women who were all local Delawareans mm-hmm. and all three went home on weekends for jobs. So you were left by yourself on the weekends. Mm. And that must've been miserable. By the middle of my middle of my freshman year, I went home for winter break. I, I got a little winter job, but about 10 days later, I went tobogganing and I had an accident where I actually broke one of my vertebrae mm. and I was in the hospital for five days. And when I got done, I had a big brace on and, I had already told my parents that I wasn't happy and that I didn't want to go back to Delaware. And then here I came out of the hospital with a brace on, with a spinal injury. Mm-hmm. And I told my parents, I said, you know, I'm, I don't want to go back now. So I can transfer the credits. I can go to community college and I can go to SUNY and, and I'll be with people that I know. I can commute. I got a car. You know, it'll be good. Mm-hmm. And my parents said no and sent me back with a brace on my back, back to Delaware. <laughs> they now, were now, hardcore. Nowadays, if, if that happened in January of your kid's freshman year, you would drive back down to Delaware, load up the car, and bring the kid back home and yes. get him into community college and save yourself 20000 a year, whatever, how mm-hmm. much money it would be, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and go go a new path. But they sent me back to Delaware. Well, that was, and I just, I, you know, I made the best of it just so I could be done. So I am very, very protective of my kid's college education. I am very, very supportive of my kids' work interests and, and college choice because I, you know, I, I lived the college experience that was not what I wanted it to be. Well, here's a question. Why, why, don't, why haven't you shared that experience with them? I, I don't know. I guess I didn't want them to know like how bummer and sad it was. It's, I guess it's not that big a deal, but I don't know. And I ask that because I, 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 I think that's one thing that, parents tend not to do, which I think would be helpful to their kids growing up, is parents tend to not share a lot about themselves with their kids. And I don't mean share like the, share like the, you know, the really, really personal things, but just share. I mean, that's not overly personal or something you wouldn't want them to know, but a lot of times we tend not to share because we're either trying to protect them or we don't want them to hear the, the negative side. But in, when in reality, when they don't hear like the, the things that didn't go right 
in their parents' life, then when things go wrong in their lives, they're, they think something's wrong with them. It's like, oh, well, okay. a, a lot of parents, I find, just tend to talk about either lecture or tell them what they should or shouldn't do. Or when they share about their lives, it's more like a biography. I went to this school and I did that and I did that. But not the disappointments or, or not uh, when they got angry or when something didn't work out well. So I think being vulnerable as a parent and, and sharing your life uh, with your kids is, is important because then they learn that you're a human being and that it's okay when they fail or something doesn't work out. Okay. Yeah. My mom said, you know, when that didn't work out in her life and she got through it. So, you know, that would be a nice story to, to share with the okay. raising girls. You, so you bring up, I mean, I know you haven't raised anything but girls, but how has it been having two girls? I guess the biggest challenge is uh, the social media visuals. Okay. Um, you know, pictures that are are posted um, have such an effect. For example, when we go on vacation as a family, we like to hike. And for me, hiking is you put on hiking boots, thick socks, um, whatever jeans or leggings you have, a good warm sweater, throw your backpack on your back and tie your hair up. And okay, yeah, you put on lip balm, but that's because you're going to get dry mouth when you need water. But vacation pictures for teenage girls are completely different. They don't necessarily go on vacation to go on the hike and see that mountain vista over there 5,000 feet away. They want to take the, the selfie with the mountain vista and post it. The immediate need to show something visual on social media brings so many different modes and aspects into just general daily life. Also, you know, if girls don't meet a standard of beauty, um, or whatever somebody is able to show, whatever somebody buys is seen right there. And they may just think, oh, I got to go out and buy that makeup or get that dress so I look like that person. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I think girls have to have a, a good sense of self, a good centeredness to put up with this onslaught of photography every mm -hmm. day. Yes. So it's keeping their self-image intact. Yes. Thank you, Susan, for, for being here and uh, sharing your thoughts and your life. I appreciate your time.